Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. As every fall, I just start asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to do for the upcoming year? And obviously 2020 had its challenges, 2021 is having its challenges and, you know, a lot of us set goals. We, we set ambitions. We did that as a church. And we'll probably be rehitting some of those goals uh, because we still want to see people baptized and members made. And come on. And we, wanna, we, want, we need money for a building. Come on. And so this isn't our permanent place. And so we have all those things that we want. So I was just asking the Lord. I'm like, well, you know, what, what, can, we, what can we do we can't control what we can't control, you know, and, and if you're like me, you, most of your frustration is is getting involved in things that, that, that you have no authority over, right? And so sometimes we, we you know, we have opinions over things that are, you're, you know, the, let me just tell you something before we get in. Your opinion about political things doesn't change anything. You know, even voicing your opinion doesn't any even change anything. I would say it all starts with prayer. Whether it be political thing or virus stuff or whatever, which all everything becomes political in our day and age because the news is in front of us 24-7, which I don't think is healthy at all. So um, so I started asking the Lord. I was like, Lord, what do you want to do next year? And I really felt like the Lord wanted us to spend 2021 working on our culture as a church working on our culture as a church, working the ground of our church, cultivating our church, cultivating our community, our culture. What does culture at Overflow look like? And we've, we, when we first started the church, you know, we had all these, all this vision and we wrote down all these things. We said, well, this is, this is what we want our church to look like. This is what we want our church to be. And so we put that all out there. We call that vision. We should do that. We should plan that. But how many know that man makes his plans, but the Lord determines his steps. And so as we started in into a church, what into our church, what we started noticing, and some of the things that we valued weren't really showing up, but other things that were showing up that we didn't value. They, how many know that culture? You don't really create culture; you work it. Come on, you, you can work the culture that's already there. And so, so what? Ha- like you can't create dirt, right? But you can rearrange the dirt. Come on, you can work the dirt. You can get the dirt wet. You can dig it up with a shovel, right? You can cultivate the dirt, but you can't create dirt. And that's the same way with culture. We don't really create culture. We cultivate, we work culture, right? And so I, I just really felt like that that was the Lord. And so even, even before last fall, the staff and I, we sat down in our living room and we started saying, well, what does our church value? We wrote down on sticky notes. We had like, you know, 50 words that we put up on the, up on our, you know, up on our TV in our room. And we put them up, what, what, what are we? Who are we as a church? Who are we as a church? And we came up with basically five core values that we have as a church. And that's what we're going to spend the next five weeks doing. We're going to talk about what, what, what is, what is the emphasis at Overflow Church? What do we value? Obviously, we value Jesus. Obviously, we value the Bible. Come on, the Great Commission, the Great Command, all those kind of things. But specifically, not as a capital C church, but as a lowercase c church, a church of many churches, what do we value? What separates us? What makes us different? Why did God call us to plant a church? And so even though that's been, you know, eight and a half years ago, seven and a half years ago, something, yes, Eight years ago, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. Okay, 
So I really felt like the Lord wanted us to kind of revision our values, revisit, revision our values. And, and the first value is a value that hasn't changed, which we're going to talk about today. And the value is presence, presence. We value presence. Come on, every time we gather, everywhere we go, we value the presence of the Lord. So let's talk about cultivate. Everybody say cultivate, cultivate. You're going to be saying that a lot this year, cultivate. Come on, just get used to saying it, cultivate. Everybody say presence presence. Come on. So here we go. Genesis chapter two, back at the beginning when the Lord made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord had not yet sent rain to water the earth. And then get this, there were no people to cultivate the soil. Now, how many know it would have been easy for God to cultivate it himself? But he says this in Genesis, there were no people to cultivate what God had created. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered the land. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. Now, I love this because everything else that we see in creation, God speaks. And he probably didn't even have to speak. He could probably just think it it appears. And then he speaks, and then it appears. But with man, he does something different. With man, he reaches down into that dirt that he created, and he gets his hands dirty. How many know that when God created you, he got his hands dirty? He put some work into you, and thank God he's still working on you. Come on. But when God created us, he got his hands dirty. So he formed us from the dust of the ground. He breathed. This is what makes us different. We have a different kind of soul than animals, right? So he breathes the breath of life into man's nostrils, and man became a living person, a living soul. Then the Lord, look at this. So after God creates him, he plants him. Look, then the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed Man, so God creates a garden, then God creates man, and he places man or plants man, if you will, in the garden. That, that word in the Hebrew language means the Lord appointed him there, appointed him there. The Lord appointed him there. How many know that you have an appointment? The reason why you're here is because you've been appointed to be here. This is why you say, oh, man, I'm not really going to go to church. You're just talking about the church. Even more, probably the more important series right now. Not something that's helping you maybe as an individual, but something that's helping us collectively as a culture. It says in verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it, to work it and to watch it. So God, listen, if God plants you somewhere, whether it be your job, whether the home that you're planted in, he puts you there to work it and to watch it to tend it, to take care of it, to work it, and to watch it. See, God is a gardener. Come on. He's a gardener. Did you know that? God is a gardener, and he plants people. He planted us in the garden for what reason? So he could tend the garden? No, so we could tend the garden. Nothing was growing, right? We, we kind of want this relationship with God where he goes and does all the work. 
where he's, where he's the one that's always getting his hands dirty. Oh, God, would you just come and do it? And guess what he's looking for on the earth? He's looking for people to say, God, I'll partner with your heart, and I'll work where you've planted me. Whether it be a Walmart, come on. Whether it be your home, your church. He planted us in his garden to tend his garden. He worked the ground, and we worked the ground. He created partners to work what he created. Now, how many know the church, when I say church here, I'm talking about the capital C church, right? We're a lowercase C church, right? Overflow church is a church, part of many churches, right? The capital C church, his church, the global church, Christ's church, right? Not a denomination's church, come on, not a pastor's church, Christ's church, it's his garden. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. I would encourage you to get into Colossians chapter 1. One of the, the best chapters in the scripture about the character of Christ. Christology, who Christ is, the study of Christ. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. So this is why we're very careful here when we talk about the church. Because it's his church. I'm super careful to talk about other churches that I'm not part of because I'm not gardening there. He didn't plant me in that garden to work that soil. Come on, how many know that you can only tend the garden that you're planted in? And many people want to tend everybody else's garden. Hmm. Now listen, Overflow Church is not my garden. Right? It's not my garden. It's God's garden but he planted me here, right? Guess what? Overflow Church isn't just the staff's garden. Now, we might be chief gardeners, for lack of a better word. We might garden a little bit different than you garden. I mean, we came in with the, with the plows, right? We came in, the ground was hard. We did, we did a lot of hard work. Now our work looks different. Guess what? If God planted you here, then God has called you here to work the garden, because you're a gardener like God's a gardener. And so you're not here just to eat of the fruit of the garden. You're here to work the ground. Right? So it drives me crazy when people, especially people who have been coming for a while, they go, I really like your church, <laughs> pastor. I'm like, is it my church? Well, yeah, I own it. I treat it like it is. I'm a, I'm a steward of that church, but it's really not my church. It's, it's Christ's church. But, but the thing that bothers me the most when somebody says that is they're not saying, I like our church. Because it's really our church. It's, and see, it's not just Josh Brown that, that makes all the decisions around here and does all the planting and does all the growing. It's you also. You're here. You've been planted here to work the ground. Leslie and I are the lead pastors. Leslie's not the pastor's wife. That's a good way to get excommunicated by calling her that. Get the left foot of fellowship. Again, we might be the chief gardeners, but listen, this is the deal. And I, I was talking to, to Pastor Joshua this past week. I was like, you know, we call all the people that work the garden around here volunteers. And you are volunteers. We love you. We're so grateful for you. We call those our volunteers. But really, you're not volunteers. You're ministers. You're in the ministry. You're gardeners. You're working the ground. You're working the ground with us. 
So the garden he planted you in is so that you can work the soil. Work the ground. Tend it. Cultivate it. Are you just coming into the garden to get some carrots? Are you coming to the garden just to get you some zucchini? Okay, here we go. Now we're talking about good food. Some do. They'll come and they'll eat of the fruit. We're grateful for that for a little while, but eventually you got to stop eating fruit. Come on. And you need to start planting seeds. You need to start working the ground. You need to start doing some watering. You need to start planting some different kinds of fruit. That is, well, why don't, why don't we have, why aren't you doing more in the community? Because my hands are full. Why aren't you doing it? <laughs> right? Here's the deal. And we've had, we've had many people over the years. You know, oh, just not being fed. Well, first of all, how old are you? Like an adult saying, I'm not being fed. I'm like, well, do you have a Bible at home? Like, do you not? Basically, what they're saying is, I want to go somewhere else. And I'm going, <laughs> sorry. You know, I worked so hard to feed you. You know, I mean, it is hurtful. Okay. It's a little vulnerable moment. But listen, people will say, I'm not getting anything out of it. That's a consumer mindset. I'm not getting anything out of it. What are you putting into it? That's the question. The, listen, if you want to get something out of it, you got to put something in it. Six months ago, I didn't put anything into the stock market. So guess what? I didn't get anything out of the stock market. I was not invested. I could sit around and pick at the stock market. I could go, well, man, oh, that one's not producing. That one is, oh, yeah, look at that. Well, you should invest in that. But I don't get any benefits by talking about it. I've got to invest if I want to withdraw. And then, listen, the ground you work is the ground that you eat from. The ground you work is the ground that you eat from. Y'all Okay. So we need to be cultivators. We need to be gardeners. Say, I'm a gardener. So he planted you here to work the soil, to work the soil. So we see back in Genesis, man worked the ground, right? Man tended and watched. He didn't watch himself too well, right? He kind of blew it. He had bliss. He had Eden. He had... Man, Adam and Eve had Eden. And what happened? They didn't tend the garden. He said, well, Eve was deceived. Well, how did the snake get there? They weren't watching. They might have been tending, but they weren't watching. Beloved, be watchful. So we know, we know that we, we partnered with God in his garden. We didn't do so well. I would say we still don't do so well. So then what God decides after thousands of years which he actually decided before any of this was even created, is he said, eventually I will come and reestablish my garden and repair the partnership that I have with man. Because man is no longer fit to garden my garden, to work the soil in my garden. So I'll go and I'll make him fit. But I won't just tell him to do it. Because that's how most people function like that with God. I, I won't just tell them to do it. I'll actually come and do it with them. And then I'll give them my spirit so they'll, they'll function like I function on the earth. 
So, Jesus, key verse here for overflow. Jesus, John chapter 7, we know also Jesus has a very similar conversation with a woman at the well, someone he shouldn't have been talking to. And he makes this statement at the Feast of Tabernacles, one of the most important feasts where people of every nation are there. And Jesus stands up and it says this in a loud voice. He declares, John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Come on. We're not looking for a river that falls. We're looking for a river that flows. By this, he meant the spirit. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive, Acts 2. What is the best way to cultivate ground? Is it shovels? Shovels work when the soil is hard. What's the best way to soften the soil? Water. So Jesus says, I will put water on the earth. Isn't it interesting? In Genesis, we see water coming from the inside of the earth to water the earth. Guess how God is watering the earth now by his spirit. Guess how God puts himself on the planet? From the inside of his creation. We, we say, Lord, we want you to move in our nation. We just, what are we asking? We're saying, God, we want you to come and just do something sovereignly on the earth. Can I tell you today, beloved, rarely does God act without human involvement. Rarely, very, 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 very rarely. Every miracle that we see through scripture is doesn't just happen because someone in the corner was wishing it would happen. Every miracle we see is because God had an agent, because God had a host that said, I will the Spirit of God on the earth. And he's looking for partners that will say, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. Would you come and be that river? And would you flow from my life? It's not about me. I must decrease. I am simply here as a host for the presence of God. This is why I'm here. And when we drink, so Jesus makes a statement, when you drink, we've talked about this, when you drink from Jesus, the river takes over. When you drink of Jesus, the river takes over. See, this is the great thing about the Holy Spirit. We say, come, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. That's a great prayer to pray. But when we say, come Holy Spirit, we're not looking up to heaven and say, come Holy Spirit. We're, we're looking down in our belly and we say, come Holy Spirit, flow in and through my life. Let me be led by the river. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you know that you see yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in your midst? You know why God is here in this room today? Well, because he's omnipresent. But do you know why it's tangible in the room today? Because you're here and you host his presence. And when you begin to lift up your voice and worship, when you begin to lift up your hands, you begin to stir that up, what you were, were doing is you were opening up the gates of your heart. You were opening up the gates of your belly to allow that river to flow. That's why these moments are so powerful. So what does our garden grow? What does is, what is this garden grow? Here at Overflow Church, what does our garden grow? What is our why? What is our vision? What is your vision? Right? We all want to know. This is what we grow. We grow encounters with Jesus. That's what we grow. That's what we're growing. 
That's the ground that we're working on. That's the reason why there's people out in the parking lot to greet you because we're just trying to remove all the rubble so whenever you walk into this room that you don't have any obstacles that you can come in here. So we're doing, we're doing all this work. We're just clearing the ground, cultivating the ground, cultivating the atmosphere, making sure we have clean bathrooms so those things aren't on your mind when you come in here and you have one focus. That's why we do all those things. The only reason why we have any system is so that people can encounter Jesus. That is our why as a church. Why do you exist as a church? Overflow Church exists to bring people to an encounter with Jesus. That's why we're here. It don't have a number on it. It's not super measurable. It's just that's our why. Now, we have goals. Those are measurable. But that's our vision. You know, I've heard people talk about vision. Well, that's not a vision. I don't care what your opinion is. This is what God has called us to. This is what God has put in our heart, that people would encounter Jesus, encounter Jesus in a real way, the reality of Jesus. And we say that, we're, we're saying, listen, not the historic Jesus of Nazareth, although he is historic. Not what Grandma talked about when we were a little kid, although she probably encountered the real Jesus, not the guy who also likes Gandhi real well. Not that kind of Jesus. No, no, the real living king who said, you know what this, what, what I'll do is I will make my dwelling among you. I will make my dwelling among you. See, we've kind of recognized this is that you say, well, what is your mission as a church? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about our mandates. But, but, but listen, we've kind of recognized this, that Jesus has all the solutions. He has all the solutions. He has all the solutions, all of them. Every problem that you can imagine, Jesus has a solution for it. Every poverty problem, every corona sickness problem, every political problem, Jesus has all, he, he has his own government. Maybe we should be functioning in that government and work in that government. I'm not, I'm not criticizing you if you're involved in government and politics and all that stuff. That's great, but that's not the main thing. It's not the main thing. It's not the main thing. We take the little things and make them the main things. The main thing is Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The main thing is Jesus. He's the main thing. So what are we going to make it about? We're going to make it about encountering the main thing. And all the little things, then people will come along and say, that little thing strikes my heart, so I'm going to go after that. And we're going to say, yes, we'll partner with you. What can we do to help you? Rather than trying to tell me what you need to emphasize is. <laughs> so if we're going to encounter the reality of Jesus, then that requires that we value something. That we value his presence. That we value his presence. What do we value? His presence. That's core value number one at Overflow Church. Presence. Every time we gather everywhere we go. Can you say that with me? Presence. Every time we gather, everywhere we go. So every time we gather, everywhere we go, we value the presence of Jesus. And the objections would come, well, the Lord is omnipresent. Right? Tell that to Moses. Tell that to David. Tell that to the disciples. Because what we do is we say that. We say that God is here. We say that God is omnipresent whenever we're not experiencing him. Isn't that typically, well, we know that God's here. I don't feel it. Can I tell you? He is here. He is omnipresent. But there is something that happens when you decide to lean in. There is something that happens whenever you tap into the network. 
Because God has a network, just like we have a couple of Wi-Fi signals running through this building, and there's football players, and there's good things happening, and there's news, and there's bad things happening, all this stuff. But if you get a router, and you get tuned in, and you get the password, come on, you get the password, you can log in, you can access all the benefits of being connected online. So it doesn't do you any good to walk in the room and go, we got Wi-Fi. If you don't have a way to connect, come on. Y'all need to offer free Wi-Fi. You're complaining again. Bring it. Come on. Get it set up. (laughs) Every time we gather, everywhere we go. So what are we doing? We're tuning in. We're leaning in. We're intentional about it. We're not just going, God's here. Like some fact. Like some little hobby lobby thing that we put on the wall. God's here just to remind me, just in case I forget. Well, the reason why you forget is because you haven't encountered the God that is there. And we need to encounter the God that is near. We do, and we treat God like he's far away, don't we? Don't we treat God like he's far? I mean, when you're sinning, when your language is terrible, come on. When, you're, when you've got a bad attitude at Walmart, you're not acting like he's there. You act differently. Well, the Bible tells me he is there. Absolutely. Praise the Lord for that promise because sometimes I don't feel him. But I also have reference from when I did. And that's a good place to be also. And so we treat him like he's far away. We pray that way. Right? We pray according to emergency, not intimacy. Why? Because we're treating God like he's not there. Everybody pray! good. It's good to do that. But you pray out of panic. You should pray. But can I tell you that he wants to be near you always. He wants to be near you always. He wants you to be near to him. So we believe for miracles. We treat him like he's far away, not like he's in the room. So what happens is we come in the room, we're used to his presence. We've stopped really valuing it. Come on, if you will. We come into the room And we go, it's just another Sunday that I'm not going to get my miracle. Maybe you don't even think that. Maybe that's what you thought one week, and now you just go week after week after week after week just going, well, I'll just live with it. Value the presence. He has what you need. And listen, at Overflow, we're hungry for more of the Lord, for more of his manifest presence. Because we understand this, that our level of hunger dictates our level of feel. Our level of hunger dictates our level of feel. So, so we are hungry for more of the Lord. We're good stewards of the encounters we have, but we want more. I want, listen, I want a new encounter today. And, I, and tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to want another one. Because I'm hungry for more of him in my life. And somebody say, well, you're just talking about emotional experiences. You're chasing emotional experiences. Listen, we're, we are not chasing emotional experiences. We are chasing a living person. A living person that we want to know. You know, experience is not your belt, but encounter is not your heart. And that's what I need. I need a, I need a knock on my heart. I need, a, I need a knock on my brain, on my reality, on my core, on my, on my identity. I don't need just another experience to say I've had one. <laughs> we, used to, we used to have these services, and they go, well, I fell down like three times today. Woo! Come on. 
Shout, shama. We would always say, well, listen, it doesn't matter how many times you fall down as long as you walk straight whenever you get up, right? But I would say this, it's good for you to have those encounters if you were allowing them to do their work in your life. So yeah, fall out, you know, pray in tongues, all that. Do it all, do it all. Experience all the Holy Ghost stuff. Experience it, counter it, counter him. Have the encounters. But don't allow them to just be an experience. And the difference between us experiencing the presence of the Lord and really encountering the presence of the Lord really has to do more with us than it does with him. So we're a desperate people like Moses. Exodus 33 goes up to the mountain. I'll just put the words up for you. You can look at it. He goes up to the mountain, and he says, and it, which is risky, by the way, because people thought if they saw God, they would die. And Moses said, you know what? I want God's presence so bad. I want God's leadership so bad. I want him so much that I'm willing to even risk my life to climb that mountain. And he gets up before the Lord. He says, Lord, if you do not go with us, don't send us up from here. In other words, I am so desperate. Lord, I know you're omnipresent, yada, yada. Yes, 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 yes. But if your presence doesn't go with me, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. Don't send us, Lord. Just let us die with that. We are desperate for the presence of God. And this is a mark of overflow church. This is the value of overflow church. We want the presence of God. We want him. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Because we have a connection, Moses. Because we have a relationship. Because you've tuned in and you've asked. I'm going to grant you. And he says this. And Moses says, all right then. All right, come on, let's go. And he says, show me your glory. I know that if someone sees the glory of God, they could die. (laughs) But I'm asking you, Lord, go ahead. I'm willing to risk it. Come on, I'm going to risk it for the biscuit. Here I am, Lord, I'm going to ask you. Show me your glory. And God says, guess what? I will cause my goodness. His glory is his goodness. I will cause my goodness to pass in front of going to show up. If you'll get desperate enough, if you'll put, put it on the line, if you'll get risky about it, then I believe God will answer your prayer to manifest his presence to you. And Moses didn't just have an old, oh, the Bible tells me so encounter. He had an encounter that transformed his life. David says, Psalm 63, this is the kind of stuff we're going after in 63. He says, you, God, are my God. You're my God. We're in this thing together. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. What's he saying? He's saying, just like this desert ground is thirsty, I'm thirsty for you. I've seen you in the sanctuary. I have some history. And I've beheld your power and your glory. That was great. Guess what? I want more. Earnestly, I seek you. I've seen you in the sanctuary, God. It was great. I love the history we have. I love the encounters we've had, Lord. I love it. It's so good. But I want more. I'm seeking you again. How, how, how long should we go to on our next encounter? The next moment. Come on. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. My pray, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my holy hands. See, we've, we've come to understand that his presence is the only thing that really satisfies. We used to have a I used to have an illustration I used a lot. And this is exactly how we treat the presence of the Lord. 
is think about Thanksgiving. Okay, I love Thanksgiving. I love to eat all the foods, all of it, and finish it off with God's choice, pecan pie. And so, uh, what if I invited you over for Thanksgiving this year, Friendsgiving this year, and on your way to Friendsgiving this year, you decide to stop by Krispy Kreme and fill up on 24 donuts, two dozen glorious Krispy Kreme. Don't they good? But what happens when you show up to eat the meal that was prepared? You ain't hungry. And I think in the church, many times what we've done is we've filled ourselves up with junk or we've set our, filled ourselves up with a temporary uh, satisfaction that whenever we come to the presence of God, we don't have any hunger anymore. Beloved, it's so important that you don't wet, that you, that you, don't, that you don't satisfy your appetite with God with the pleasures of this world. You say, you know what? I'm hungry for smoked turkey today. There's only one thing that will satisfy it. I can have your dry ham all day long. I'm just not interested. I got one thing. Move that pecan pie out of my way. I am hungry for Gene Brown's pecan pies. That's what I'm hungry for. And I will eat half of it today and pay for it in January. Come on. Why? Because I'm hungry for one thing. And, beloved, is he your one thing? Is he your first love? I love that. He's your first love. So, presence every time we gather. What does this look like? Super Josh, why Pastor Josh, why are you preaching on that? Because I want you to get the heart, baby. I want to get you to get the heart of the house. See, his presence is at the center of our gatherings. His presence every time we gather. Every time we gather. Can you say that with me? His presence every time we gather. So his presence is at the center of our gatherings. We're not seeker-centered. We're not law-centered. We're not politically-centered. Some of y'all aren't going to like this. We're not outreach-centered. We're not people-centered. Overflow Church is not about people. It's about Jesus. Instead, we're a people centered around the presence. So we're centering ourselves around Jesus. And Jesus said this, if you will lift me up, I'll draw all men. So do we love people? Absolutely. Do we love outreach? Absolutely. Do we love being politically centered? Not so much, but you can. Do we love lost people? Yes. Do we do things for seekers? Yes, but we're not centered around that. We're centered around him. So service might get a little long. Worship might be a little bit more than your little egg timer, your little egg timer. You know, you might, you might walk in thinking, you know what, I'm going to avoid worship today. I'm going to show up about 20 minutes after because they're going to be done, and we might still be going when you get here. Hello. We value presence. So our Bible teaching is centered around Jesus. We're not just trying to create good students of the Bible. I want you to be a student of the Bible. But we don't just preach words on a page, but life in a person. So we understand what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 39. He said, you, you guys think that you, by searching the scriptures, that you're going to have life. And there are a lot of people alive today that think that they have life in them because of how much Bible knowledge they have. And you should have Bible knowledge. In fact, you don't have Jesus without the Bible. The Bible is pointing to him. And this, this is what he says. He says, but the scriptures point to me. The whole reason why you have a Bible is to get you to the presence of Jesus. The Bible is not there just to make you successful as a person. Although I believe if you follow its principles, you will be. The Bible is there to get you to the man Jesus. 
That's what it's there for. That's why you have the scriptures. All the scripture, all of it just points to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's where it all points. It all points right there. Points to the gospel. Points to the man. So our Bible teaching is centered around Jesus. Pastor Josh talking about encounters again. Yeah, come on. And, we'll, and, and I, I work really hard to be a good Bible teacher. And I do okay most of the time. But what I want to be better than a Bible teacher is I want to teach people about Jesus. I want people to know who the Lord is and not just give you some dry information. There's a lot of people that can give you some dry information on the Bible. And you just, and I, listen, I know some people that know so much more about God than I do. And they're bitter. Because they got the word, but they didn't get the man who is the word. So we got to get in the word. We need the word. We value the word. We believe in the word of God. Because it points to Jesus. <laughs> Come on. So secondly is this, is our worship is centered around Jesus. So our worship isn't about a style. Our worship isn't about a sound, although those things are important, and we'll, ex- we'll execute those with excellence. We will do our very, very best to have a good sound, to have a good style, to have it polished as well as we can, to be rehearsed, to, to bring that spirit of excellence. We like nostalgia. Why aren't you doing more hymns? Everybody has their preference. Listen, worship isn't about your preference. It's not about you. He's the one that we're worshiping. Well, I don't really like that song. It's okay. It's not about you. It's not for you. I don't want a music talk. It's okay. It's not for you. Worship's not for you. It's about him. So we like nostalgia. We love the warm fuzzies. We want him. We're not hung up on moments or memories. Because some people are like, man, I still play that song that I played 30 years ago. Listen, I can tell you, I can visit those moments. Like I can go get on. I can walk to my, in 30 seconds, I could be like feeling what I felt. 27 years ago in my bedroom. I can, I can experience that. Love that. Love that I have that ability. But how many know that the Lord also wants to bring some new things? And some people are so hung up on the way something used to sound. Oh, I remember when worship was so powerful. Everybody was running around the world. Maybe God's not doing that right now. Maybe God wants you to experience him in a different way. So worship him. Listen, nev- worship is never about you. That's why you should never be like, well, you know, I just that's not really my style. It doesn't matter. So, and then our prayers are centered around Jesus. Our prayers, the way that we pray, we pray centered around Jesus. So every Saturday at five o'clock, one of our mandates as a church, we, we get together and what do we do? We work the garden of intimacy with Jesus. We minister to the Lord. The most important ministry at this church is not the ministry that's happening right now, the preaching. The most important ministry that we have at Overflow Church is what happens on Saturday nights when we minister to God. That is the most important ministry because we're centered around Him. So our Bible teaching, our worship, our prayers, all those things. Love all that. Amen? So presence every time we gather. Presence. Everywhere we go. Can you say that with me? Presence. Every time we gather, everywhere we go. So everywhere we go, the presence of God. Our lives are centered around Jesus. He influences our homes, our jobs, our lives. Come on, he, he pours out of our life. into That's why Grandma influenced you so much, because she was so full of Jesus. That's why you still think about it, right? Influence. We, we believe that his presence transforms our posture and our attitudes. 
We're acting like he's here because he is here, and we've experienced that he's here. So it transforms us. He impacts others through our lives. Again, that hosting. Other people. Other people's lives are transformed because you're standing in front of them. So how do we cultivate a life that values presence? Four quick things. We're almost done. You ready? Y'all are up? How do we cultivate a life that values presence? And collectively, as a church, we will need to do these things. Collectively, as a church, we will need to do these things if we want to work the ground of the culture of presence. Number one, prioritize daily. Every day. Every day. It might be two minutes. It might be 10 seconds. But you're, you're working ground. You're working ground with your intimacy with the Lord. Find him in the word. Come on. If the only time that you're getting the word is on Sunday mornings, you are malnourished. If the only time that you ever get a time of worship is on Sunday mornings, you're malnourished. And you're living off somebody else's faith. Listen, prioritize daily. Find a moment. Find a place. Get a place where it's just you and God. And, And can I tell you today that I've been very consistent with this for almost 28 years. Is that right? It's a long time. This is getting before the Lord. You know what's crazy? Is I want to know him more now than I did then. (laughs) In the kingdom, we eat to get hungry. Prioritize daily. Number two, lean frequently. What do you mean by that? I mean, like, you're driving in your car. That song shows up on Caleb. I don't know why you're listening there, but you are. (laughs) Right? That one that moves you, you're like, oh, I like that part. Oh, yeah, yeah, this part. You know, the part that you showed everybody. Listen, shows up and you're like, oh, yeah, there's a moment right there. Just lean into it. When you, when you sense the Holy Spirit moving at all, just lean into it, right? You don't have to be weird about it. I mean, if you're in a group of people, you don't have to be like, oh. <laughs> Listen, you don't have to be weird about it. Because I'm going to be like, you're too spiritual for me. That's all I'm going to say. But you just lean into it. This is, for me, you'll know when it happens to me when we're in conversation because I'll be like, mm, that's good. What am I doing? I'm just leaning into the moment. I'm like, okay, Lord, you got something to eat right here. Take a little nibble. Oh, that turned into a big bite, right? And then I pull out my phone and I write it down. What am I doing? I'm leaning frequently. So I prioritize daily. I lean frequently. I pray continually. You say, well, that's impossible. How are we going to pray continually? In the scriptures, it uses that in some translations. Paul says that. I believe it's First or Second Thessalonians where he says, pray without ceasing. Am I right there? Second Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, like chapter 5 or something. Oh, I'm doing good. Come on. It says, pray without ceasing. Some translations say, pray continually. A good interpretation is this. Do not cease to pray. Other words, that I don't just have a time of prayer. I have a posture of prayer. Are you tracking? And so when I'm driving down the road, I can just pray a breath prayer because I'm already tuned into the Lord. I'm abiding. This is what abiding looks like. So I'm driving down the road, and I'm just like, thank you, Jesus. You don't need to have words. You just be like, thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah. Come on, just going to lean into that right now. Right? Pray continually. Smith Wigglesworth said, rarely do I pray for an hour, but rarely do I go an hour without praying. I don't, I don't ever pray an hour. I show up at furnace like 20 minutes. I'm like distracted. I'm like, okay, back to prayer right? 
Come on. Just being honest. But, but, but I'm, I'm in tune. I'm weaving in and out. I'm learning to stay longer. And number four is aware always. Aware always. I love uh, Bill Johnson shares this about the Holy Spirit. He said, what we should do is we should treat the Holy Spirit like he's a dove resting on our shoulder. We're not scared. Come on. We're not freaked out. We're not being still, but we're learning to function in awe of something that's affecting my life. I'm always aware. I'm just living in awareness. Hey, it's there. He's there. I'm aware that he is there. Just a dove on your shoulder. Just aware always. Just always living your life. I'm aware of the Holy Spirit and aware of this, that God has called me as a host of his presence, that I'm not just here to give my opinion, that I'm not just here to, you know, enjoy myself, that I'm actually here. If you're there, it's a garden that you're called to nurture. It's a garden that you're called to cultivate. And so when, by doing these things and being aware of his presence, I'm just being a host. I'm saying, okay, Lord, do what you want to do. And I don't have to be super spiritual about it. It can be a smile. It could just be a, a little thing. I'm trying to make it really practical for you guys because some people, they're like, they got to get all like a, this super spiritual mode. I'm like, well, you, you, don't, you don't have to do that. God is using you. You don't have to be on like the, the guy that you admire. You don't have to act like him. God's using you to release his spirit. So how what is that? Can we stand with me?